Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My wife shared with me a link to a very fascinating interview this past week. It was an interview with the American screenwriter and director Paul Schrader and actor Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke stars in Schrader's new film, First Reformed. It's a story about a struggling pastor serving in a small, dwindling congregation. Now, I always hesitate to even make any mention of films, lest people see it as an endorsement from the pulpit that you have to go run out and see the film. This is neither an endorsement for First Reform, nor is it a non-endorsement. I haven't seen the film. I only listened to the interview. Uh, but the subject matter, being what it is, a film about a pastor of a small congregation, uh, made this interview really, really interesting. Uh, the interviewer asked both men throughout the course of the talk about their spiritual upbringing. Both of them, it turns out, were raised as Christians. Uh, Ethan Hawke was raised in an Episcopal church. Uh, but she also asked them if they still go to church today. Ethan Hawke shared that he does not attend church regularly anymore, and that as his kids are, are, have grown up, he has had some sadness about this, because, as he said, there is great value in institutionalized boredom. <laughs> and he was keying off of something that the director, Paul Schrader, says earlier in the interview, which is this, and here I quote, he says, for me, I like to go to church on Sunday mornings to organize my thoughts, organize my week, and be quiet. You don't walk out of church because you're bored, he said. You go to church to be bored. What I like about these comments is that they're given as a compliment. I mean, church is boring. That's the given, right? But have you ever considered how important and valuable that boredom is? You don't walk out of church because you're bored. You go to church to be bored. There is great value in institutionalized boredom. I think that the feeling that these two men are expressing here is as much about the chaos and the clamor of the other six days of the week as it is about their experience in church. Our world is filled with chaos. It is disordered. It is filled with confusion and friction and division and anger and sadness. And there are whole industries built on perpetuating this chaos. There is money to be made in escalating the madness, which is why it continues to grow. Reality is scary enough. And these days, in recent years, it, reality is getting spun up and intertwined and swirled about with virtual reality. It's becoming harder to discern between the two. And we find that the chaos of the world uh, is at our fingertips and in our homes uh, and more readily available and accessible um, 
more now than it ever has been. And I don't know about you, but there are many days, increasingly it seems, where the level of chaos feels overwhelming. I can remember when I was in high school, I went to local carnival with some of my friends. We're not talking like uh, the San Diego County Fair. That's what I would call a professional operation. We're talking about the local carnival. Uh, and we got on some ride that spins around really fast. And as we got on, the operator started asking, do you want to go faster? And the first few times, you all screamed, yay, we want to go faster. But after a few minutes, I feel pretty certain that this machine should not have been allowed to go as fast as it did with kids on it. I'm, I'm sure that the ride was in violation of several governmental regulations. Uh, it was going so fast, I, I thought I was going to be sick. My head started to hurt. In fact, uh, afterward, I went home. <laughs> it ruined the whole evening. Uh, I was going so fast, I just wanted it to stop. I wanted to get off the ride, but of course, I was powerless to do anything about it. And sometimes I think that the madness around us in our lives and in the world feels a bit like this. We just want it to stop. We just want to get off the ride. This, I believe, is what these two men are pointing to when they talk about the great value of institutionalized boredom. I'd like to suggest that there may be some even better words than boredom to describe the church experience, because with boredom, there is a weariness to it. The definition of it, boredom, is a feeling weary of being unoccupied, not having stuff to do. But in fact, it is all of the chaos in our own lives and communities and nation and world. That chaos is what creates the weariness. Gathering together as we do once a week in worship, church is, or ought to be, a place of rest and refreshment and reflection. It ought to be both a physical and spiritual place where week in and week out we trust, we know <clears throat> that we can get off the ride, even if just for a few minutes. It is a place where we come to be filled with the peace of God. I think I would choose the word peace over boredom in describing church. In today's gospel, the story of our Lord out in the ship, on the wind and the waves with his disciples, this story of our Lord quieting the storm, saying, peace, be still, this is a true story. This is not presented as a parable or a metaphor or an allegory. It really happened. And it continues to happen. The church has always viewed the ship in the story as a symbol of herself, the people of God, with our Lord Jesus Christ in her midst. The story of Noah's Ark is looked at as a symbol of the ship. It's why church architecture often is reminiscent of a ship. The church is viewed as a ship, and Jesus is in the midst of the ship. And the dark of night and the wind and the waves and the rain, the dark of night, do you notice, by the way, it's at night. 
The only thing that could make a terrible storm out in the ocean any worse is it being at night. The night and the wind and the waves and the rain and the water pouring into the ship, all of these represent the chaos that happens in our own hearts and lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods and communities and the world around us. And in truth, we are, like those disciples were, powerless against these forces of chaos. They are beyond our ability to control. What then shall we do? Writing in the fourth century, the great church father, St. Augustine of Hippo, says this, and he's speaking directly to this passage of our Lord calming the storm. He says, when you have to listen to abuse, that means you are being buffeted by the wind. When your anger is roused, you are being tossed by the waves. So when the winds blow and the waves mount high, the boat is in danger. Your heart is imperiled. Your heart is taking a battering. On hearing yourself insulted, you long to retaliate. But the joy of revenge brings with it another kind of misfortune, he says, shipwreck. Why is this? Because Christ is asleep within you. What do I mean? I mean you have forgotten his presence. Rouse him then. Remember him. Let him keep watch within you. Pay heed to him. He goes on. As temptation arises, it is the wind. It disturbs you. It is the surging of the sea. This is the moment to awaken Christ and let him remind you of those words. Who can this be? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is very God of very God, has power over everything. And that includes power over everything that we are powerless against. Which is why the disciples gather together, go to him on the ship, rouse him from sleep. Which is why we, week in and week out, gather together and go to him to rouse him from sleep. He has power to quiet the storm. Christ has power over everything that we are powerless against, which is why he then, after he calms the storm, saying, peace, be still, it's why he asks his disciples and us, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? So as we gather together this morning, once again, in the midst of the storms around us and within us, to awaken the sleeping Christ in our midst, may we remember those words of St. Paul, who writes, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We could say, rouse the sleeping Christ within you. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.